Open Sunday is um, a, a bit dangerous. Um, we just finished a, a whole series of uh, the attributes of God, and um, with the uh, coming community service next week, uh, he said, Myron, um, you can do whatever you feel like. So, um, so I decided to share with you a passage that I have grown to love. Um, I love it because it's a beautiful illustration of healing and God's sovereignty. I love it because it's a realistic picture of how I respond to God. And a reminder that even though I don't respond correctly, God doesn't allow my response to dictate his. Okay. It's helped me through some difficult situations when I didn't understand what God was doing. And it speaks to the amazing power to he- of God's amazing power to heal when all hope seems lost. So uh, raise your hand if you understand what God is doing in every area of your life. No? No hands? Hmm. Around two years ago, my world fell apart. My faith was shaken. My expectations were shattered. And my understanding of God was uprooted and left exposed. I was hurt, disillusioned, furious with God for not working the way I thought he should. Anyway, this morning's sermon is not about me. It's about Naaman and his issues. So if you will, turn with me to first, I'm sorry, 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. Second Kings chapter 5, starting at verse 1, says, Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Okay, so... So Naaman, we're in a section of scripture here um, that is talking about the, the, the life and the exploits of a prophet uh, named Elisha. Um, he, Elisha is the um, successor of uh, one of the most well-known prophets in the Old Testament, Elijah. Um, And however, uh, this story specifically has less to do with Elisha and more to do with a man from a foreign country named Naaman. Naaman was a powerful man, but he he had a major problem. So who was this man, um, Naaman? Well, it says uh, in verse 1 that he was the commander of the army the, the commander of the army of the king of Aram. Aram, 
Can I have that first slide up, Derek? Aram is um, was the country that was what is now basically modern-day Syria. And if you can't see that, that little red block is Israel and Syria. You can see it. Um, it's up to the northeast corner of Israel. Right? That's, that's Syria. Okay. Uh, can I have the second picture? This one's a little fuzzier, but there you can see it labeled up there with the, kind of basically around the red line. It's, that's Aram. That, that's a border country of Israel. Okay. And so he's not even part of the Jewish nation. Right? This, this man is a foreigner. He, he doesn't, he's actually one of the men who would be essentially that the Israelites would have been fighting against potentially. But at this time in history, there is a relative peace between the two nations. Okay? So, so there's, there's relative peace. It's not all out, but relative peace. And the two countries are basically coexisting together. Two nations. We aren't given a lot of information about um, the kind of man Naaman was, but I feel like we can glean some from his, the attitude of his servants toward him. Um, he's a good man, dedicated to his king, his family, his home, and all those he had under him. He is outside of God's chosen people who lacked, he, he lacked the knowledge of God, but nevertheless, God was active in his life. There are two reasons that I come to that conclusion. One, it says it in the text. It says, through him, the Lord, Jehovah God, had given victory to Aram through Naaman. Okay. The other reason is the attitude of his wife's servant girl. And we'll get to that in a minute. But Naaman has a major problem. Naaman has leprosy. What's leprosy? Yep, as a degenerative nerve disease. What does that mean, Bob? Uh, I'm not exactly sure, but it affects the ability to So um, leprosy is actually still around today. Um, it's, it's most highly known, uh, or most, most, the most common cases are actually in India and some other third world countries. Um, but it is, today, it's treatable with drugs, okay? Um, I took a really long, very um, cumbersome definition of it from somewhere. Wikipedia or something like that, and condensed it. So let me just read this to you. Leprosy is a long-term bacterial infection. So it's, it's a bacterial infection, okay? Um, initially, the infections can go without symptoms for 5 to 20 years. So you can have it for f between 5 and 20 years and not show any symptoms of it, all right? 
um, it results in a lack of the ability to feel pain, like Bob was saying, um, which can lead to loss of body parts, extremities due to repeated injuries, injuries or infections um, due to unnoticed wounds. So if you can't feel that you're hurt, you don't know that you're hurt, but you're hurt. Um, it can also accompanies, also it accompanies weakness and poor eyesight. Leprosy um, occurs commonly in those living in poverty. It's curable today with a multi-drug treatment. Globally, in 2012, the number of chronic cases of leprosy was at 189,000, down from some 5.2 million in the 80s. New cases occur in 16 countries, with India accounting for the top, for more than half. And in the past 20 years, 16 million people worldwide have been cured of leprosy. How many, do you th how many cases do you think happen in the United States each year? 200. 200 in the United States, in the United States each year, this, today, this year. Leprosy has affected humanity for thousands of years. The social stigma that has been associated with leprosy is, um, for much of history continues to be a barrier to self-reporting and early treatment. So people don't want, no one wants to be known as a leper, right? So Naaman had leprosy. Um, turn to, uh, let's look at verses two and three. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he could cure him of his leprosy. So this is why I said in this time there's relative peace during these two nations. So um, it says that um, bands of raiders... Uh, went across the border from Aram into Israel and did things raiders do, right? Stole stuff, plundered, killed people, and says they took this girl from Israel back to Aram. So they kidnapped her. It's hard to police and protect those who live out in the boondocks, right? So Israel can't control all of the border countries and all of the areas around their border, and so therefore they're open to something like this happening. A young girl is taken from her family. Maybe these raiders, maybe they killed her family, or maybe she was alone, we don't know. But by force, they took her from, from Israel to Aram and sold her as a slave. Why would God allow that to happen? Any ideas? Maybe he was sleeping, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why God would allow that to happen. But, it 
put her in the path of Naaman, who needs the knowledge she possesses about a prophet in Samaria who can heal him. Why not just send someone to tell Naaman and not allow this girl to be sold into bondage? It doesn't make any sense to me, right? Who here understands everything God is doing in their life? God doesn't operate in accordance with my understanding. His actions and his ways are not subject to my limited understanding. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, I'm sorry, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For whatever reason, this is the method by which God chooses to bring healing to Naaman. I want you to notice the attitude of the servant girl. Even though she is in a place she did not choose and is in bondage by the actions of others, she notices pain and suffering outside of herself. She knows she has information that is needed and chooses to share it with Naaman. God does not work in our lives in isolation. What you are going through directly impacts those around you. Maybe you are going through something so that your neighbor can be reached. You don't know what God is doing in those around you, in your neighbor or in your coworker, in your son, your daughter, or even your spouse. You don't know. Also, I want you to think about this faith of this, of this servant girl. What do you think might happen to her if her master, on her suggestion, goes to Samaria and doesn't find healing? It's a huge statement of faith. Samaria is approximately 70 miles I think it's down there, right about where that circle is, possibly up a little farther. I don't think it's in this map. No. It's approximately 70 miles as a crow flies, okay? Um, and Naaman most likely lives in Damascus, okay? Damascus would be the capital city of Aram, um, and I think it's still present city today in, in Syria. All right. How long do you think it would take? Um, how, how long? I thought to myself, how long would it take me to drive from Damascus to Samaria? So I did what Naaman probably did. I got on Google, and I typed in... <laughs> Damascus to Syria, or Samaria, and it's, um, it's a seven-hour trip, okay? It's a seven-hour trip by car on today's roads 
but it takes 211 miles to get there. 211 miles. You can't go from Damascus to Samaria. You've got to go down, halfway down through Israel, down around the bottom side, and come back up for whatever reason. I'm not, I'm not a Middle East guy. And there's numerous border crossings to go through to get there. It's a very, very roundabout route by today's standards. And it's not a simple trip no matter what. In Naaman's time, this trip was loaded with difficulty and danger, and it required a significant time investment as well as, a politi- as, well as politically and financially in order to do it. But I would suggest that Naaman is desperate for healing, willing to pay any price and to try anything. I think this is seen by the amount of money he takes with him. Let's pick this up in verse 4. Verse 4 says, Naaman went with his, to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, uh, go, the king of Aram replied, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left taking six, I'm sorry, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. A talent of silver is about 75 pounds. So he took 750 pounds of silver with him. Um, and um, today, by today's, by today, at today's price, that's roughly $180,000 in silver, okay? And he took 6,000 shekels of gold. Now, a shekel has different weights of measure. Um, it's somewhere between 11 grams and 16 grams, okay? Um, they, they vary depending on the, the area that they were in and who was doing the weighing and all that stuff. So on an average, let's just call it 14 grams per shekel. Gold is at $38.79 per gram. That's $3.25 million in gold. It's hard to know for sure, uh, but even by today's standard, that's a lifetime of wealth. That's a lifetime of wealth. It doesn't say this, but we can assume that Naaman was willing to give up his entire life savings to receive healing. Everything he's worked for his whole life just to be healed. And so, on the say-so of an enslaved Jewish girl who's not supposed to be there, Naaman sets off for the prophet in Samaria who we know is Elisha. Let's pick this up in verse 6. So verse 6 says, The letter that he took with him, uh, that he took to the king of Israel, read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you can cure him of his leprosy. How would you like to receive that letter? 
uh, I'm, I'm sending you this guy to cure of an incurable disease. So here he is. But worse than that, he is a high-ranking political official of a bordering nation that they're on shaky terms with. The king of Israel, who understandably is a little bit taken aback, um, <laughs> says uh, in verse 7, as soon as the king... as as soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me? Am I God? Do I hold the power of life and death in my hands? Do you realize that we serve a God the one who holds the power of life and death in his hands. He has all the power needed to handle the situation you are facing. If he controls life and death, then he controls your situation. Maybe he is bringing you to a place where you can't control it anymore. Maybe this morning, he wants you to know that he is in control which means you are out of control. You have no solution for it, but he does. And this is where the king of Israel is at right now. He's got no solution to this problem. Verses 8 through 10. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent this message, Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and his chariots, and he stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, uh, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. No consideration whatsoever is given to Naaman to his position, to his power, to his wealth, to who he is. God's servant simply relays to Naaman that what God wants him to do through a messenger. doesn't even go himself. Through a messenger. Go, go wash yourself. Um, can I have that third slide up, Derek? That's a picture of the Jordan River. So as a kid, I've always seen the Jordan like, you know, probably as big as the Mississippi, you know, big wide river, you know. That's the Jordan. That's, that's nothing. That's a little stream. 
Go wash yourself in that river, in that muddy water, and you'll be cleansed. God does not care about what you have accomplished in your life or how much you can pay for his healing. He cares about your obedience to his word. Your obedience to his word. He doesn't care about your intentions or your expectations. Are you willing to obey? And follow his calling on your life. And if you are, I can promise you, promise you that you will find yourself in some dirty water crying out to God, is this really where you want me? It is the dirty water and the obedience to the word of God that brings healing in your life. Well, Naaman reacts as I would do did. Read verse 11. Verse 11 says, But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farf are the rivers of Damascus better than these waters? Could I not have go have washed in them and been cleansed? So he turned and he went off in a rage. Naaman has this healing all planned out. And he says as much in the text. You're going to come out, you're going to wave your hand over the spot, right? you're going to call on the name of your God, and you're going to heal me. And that's not what happens. He's got it all planned out. And since it didn't happen his way, I'm out of here. According to my understanding, this is not how I receive healing, says Naaman. I know that I have said exactly the same thing to God. I have said exactly the same thing. This is not how I understand it. The word um, rage here at the end of verse 12, the word means to crack off like a firecracker, to explode. It's a it's a public and physical display of displeasure. And he tears out of there. You're not going to do it my way? That's it. I'm out of here. He is furious. Furious about how he's been treated and what he's gone through. Have you ever been furious with God? I know I have. I have been so angry with God. 
This is not how it's supposed to be. And I've said as much. How can this be what you have for me, God? How can this be? Maybe this morning you're here and you don't understand what God is doing. You thought you understood what God wanted for you and you followed his leading. And you're now between a rock and a hard place, nursing the wounds you received along the way. And you can't see a way out. Naaman was done with God, but God, but God was not done with Naaman. And the same goes for you and me. When we are done, God is good. He provides a way. And in Naaman's case, it's his servants. It's his servants again that bring him back to a place of healing. Verses uh, 13 and 14 read, Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. If he had told you to do some amazing thing, you would have done it. Don't allow your expectations to keep you from the healing you so desire, Naaman, Myron, Bob. your name in there. Many times we have to go through what we don't understand to attain what we could not get on our own. God knows exactly what you need in order to move you to where you can best display his likeness, not your own. Notice also that the healing was not good enough. Okay, God doesn't do things good enough. It was better than it was before. His flesh was made like that of a young boy. Um, every once in a while, I will look down at my arms or my hands and think, when did I get old? They look like my dad's did when I was young. His skin was made like that of a young boy. Smooth, clean. Not, not like it used to be, but new. God is not going to heal you so that you can be just like you were before. But rather, he will heal you in a way that you are the best that you can be. 
I am not who I was three years ago. I would not have chosen to go through what I went through. And I would not go back the way I was. Finally, let's look here at verse 15, at Naaman's response. Verse 15 here says, Then Naaman and all of his attendants went back to the man of God. And he stood before him and he said, Now I know that there is no God in all the in all the world except in Israel. Now I know there is no God. Naaman's acknowledges the true God. His journey and his healing are now complete. So what about you today? Where are you at? Maybe you're trying to decide whether or not to start your journey to listen to that person that God has placed in your life and to seek God's healing. Maybe you're looking for healing in the wrong places, like Naaman went to the king of Israel. Maybe you're cracking off like a firecracker because it's not going according to your plans. And maybe you're listening to those who are speaking truth into your life and you're about to receive the healing that you desperately need. Wherever you are, my prayer is that your journey brings you to a place where you follow God and his authority and his sovereignty in your life. And that you follow him wherever he leads. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the story of Naaman. How true and real his response is. For it is exactly how I respond. I pray that you would allow each of us, as we face these things that we just don't understand, to be willing to hear truth from those around us. And may you bring the healing that we so desperately desire. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.